0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: Happy St. Patrick's Day. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. St. Patrick's Day. Why do people celebrate it? Who is St. Patrick? Today we're joined by Jim Denison, founder and chief vision officer of Denison Forum, and he's gonna help us to answer some of those questions. He's also going to discuss what the Bible says about luck. Is it sin, evil, harmless? And what does St. Patrick have to do with it? We're going to hear all of that and so much more today on Connections. Today is St. Patrick's Day and there can be a lot of questions surrounding this day. Who is St. Patrick? Why do we celebrate this day? What does the Bible have to say about St. Patrick? What does it have to say about luck, we're joined today by the founder and chief vision officer of Denison Forum. His name is Jim Denison, and he's going to help us answer some of those questions. But first of all, we want to know a little bit more about you. Tell us who Jim Denison is.
2: Oh, thank you for that very kind question. Really, kind of my story is my family story. I tried to do this as briefly as possible. My father grew up going to church, very active in church. Fought in the Second World War and never went to church again. And so I grew up in a loving home, but all my dad's questions, if there's a God, why is there war, signs and faith, evil and suffering, was eventually invited to church as a teenager, came to faith in Christ, still had all my dad's intellectual questions. C.S. Lewis is Mere Christianity changed my life like it has for so many others. I began a quest that even to this day is really, I think, my call. And that is to investigate intellectual and cultural issues from a biblical point of view. So I did a PhD in philosophy, taught philosophy of religion at four seminaries over the years. I've pastored four churches with, I guess, about 20,000 in their uh, total uh, membership. And then 11 years ago, we started Denison Forum so that I could devote full-time attention to speaking to cultural issues, intellectual issues with biblical truth. Our write an article every morning called the daily article we have a very fancy name for it, it goes out to about <laughs> three hundred thousand subscribers 2.2 2 million in the total audience then i write several books a year do a lot of media and basically my call as a cultural apologist is to help people respond to cultural issues biblically and redemptively so the long story short my uh, calling is to help people think biblically so they can respond to the culture uh, in a way that will glorify the lord
1: now ministry is in the family and in the blood your son also is in ministry
2: Actually, our entire family. I overmarried <laughs> terribly. Calling people tell me I outkicked my coverage, and I've got no defense <laughs> at all. So uh, my wife has a Bible teaching ministry that we have made on a digital platform this year that's growing enormously. That's at org. Our oldest son, Ryan's finishing a PhD right now and writes with me in our ministry and does research. And then our son, Craig, to whom you referred, uh, is the founder of 1st First Five dot 15org which is a devotional ministry, which is growing exponentially, has an audience around 2 million as well. And Craig runs the daily ministry now. He is the CEO of the entire organization and runs all of our organizational uh, uh, progress. And I can devote full-time attention to producing content.
1: Now, St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner. And for many of us, it's just another day. But there's a whole story behind this day. Tell us a little bit uh, about um, St. Patrick's Day and what the Bible says about it.
2: Yeah, thank you. I got curious about this, and so I did some investigating and found St. Patrick to really be a missionary for our day, a missionary for our time, and that's a lot of what uh, got behind the paper that I wrote on this and the conversations I've been having. So St. Patrick, the actual St. Patrick, way before the parades and the Lucky Charms and all of that sort of thing, an actual St. Patrick, born around 389 in England, very difficult time in England, a great deal of crime, enslavement going on. He himself was enslaved at the age of 16 was captured, brought over to Ireland as a slave working for a farmer, Uh, somehow came to faith in Christ. We don't actually know how that happened. Six years later, he was able to risk his life and, and escape back to England, but God gave him a burden for the Irish people, spent the next seven years in Bible study, then returned to the country where he'd been enslaved as a missionary founded 200 churches, led more than 100,000 people to faith in Christ, wasted 12 attempts on his life before he finally died on March 17th, 461, which is why March 17th is St. Patrick's Day and is the patron saint of Ireland. But the rest of the story is in the generations to follow the Irish eventually re-evangelized the British. According to Thomas Cahill's book, How the Irish Saved Civilization, it was uh, St. Patrick's really spiritual uh, descendants who brought European civilization back to europe and so in many ways all of us owe a debt to saint patrick who became a missionary in a culture very much different from his own and in my mind that's a lesson and a story for all of us so there is no doubt that saint patrick
0: actually existed then right he's a real man a real missionary
2: It's exactly right, Mike. Unlike some stories, you know, St. Valentine's Day that we just had recently, for instance, there may have been two, even three St. Valentines, and the stories get commingled, and it's kind of hard to know one from the other. What I've just described about St. Patrick is actual history. This is not hagiography. This is not the church or anybody else coming along and turning this purely into legend. Now, there are some legends about St. Patrick, to be sure. The idea of driving all the snakes out of Ireland, the idea of a four-leaf clover uh, as a way of trying to explain the Trinity, a lot of that's probably legendary but his life the results of his life those are facts of history they've been recorded by secular historians not just a matter of church history uh, so to speak now the really interesting thing is around St. Patrick's Day this great
0: Christian missionary uh, we also have it tied in with all the celebrations now you you wear green for luck right and the luck of the Irish and how did all this talk about luck and the Irish and St. Patrick begin in the first place
2: yeah, it's a great question. It's how these stories do get together in such a way that the origi- those are originating them probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't recognize, right? So luck of the Irish, as I discovered, is first associated with Irish miners. They were working in America during the gold and silver rushes of the 19th century. And that's where these things come together because of Irish folklore, famous for legends with regard to good and bad fortune. In the paper, I've got a few of them I could mention quickly. You've probably heard if you break a looking glass, you'll have seven years bad luck. That's Irish legend. If the first person you see at a fair is a red-haired woman, you should turn back or you'll have bad luck that day, they say. I have nothing against red-haired women, but that's an Irish story. Here's the one I would especially warn you about. If you find a horseshoe, spit on it and throw it over your head and you will have good luck. So I did you not know that. that. Yeah, let the rest <laughs> of us know, right? If you're going to be throwing horseshoes around after you spit on them, we'd all like to kind of know that. So so there are these Irish folklore traditions, and somehow those get mingled into the observance of the Irish saint, St. Patrick, and we get kind of the luck of the Irish co-mingled with the day itself.
1: So what does the Bible actually say about luck then? Um, is, it, is it sin? Is it evil? Um, what does it say?
0: Yeah, I have wished somebody well at church before by saying, well, good luck with that and then
2: got severely reprimanded, right? So, (laughs) yeah, that's really wonderful because in our culture, we really do have this category of luck that the Bible doesn't. First of all, you can't find the word luck anywhere in the Bible. The closest you can get is Ecclesiastes 9.11 that says that time and chance happen to them all. But that's in the context of a clear biblical worldview teaching the sovereignty of God. In the Bible, God's a king. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He taught us to seek first the kingdom of God and to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When he comes back, he'll be king of kings and Lord of lords. In the Bible, God's a king on Monday, not just Sunday. He's king of the realm, not just the castle. He's king of public and private every minute of every day. Well, in our culture, we've separated Sunday from Monday, spiritual from secular. I would say that in our culture, God's a hobby more than he's a king. And so in a culture like ours, a great deal of what happens to us, we attribute to luck or to chance or to coincidence because we've really segregated the sovereignty of God to church services on Sunday morning. Someone said coincidence is when God prefers to remain anonymous. God is sovereign overall at all times is what the Bible says.
0: So uh, when we talk about luck, I mean, often. I think for the most part, people in our culture, it's just a a wish uh, uh, of uh, goodness. I wish you well, basically, right? So do you think if that language is important, does it matter? Should we be watching what we say instead of saying to somebody, good
2: luck? Should we
0: be saying something more spiritual instead?
2: Yeah, Mike, that's a great question. No one's asked me that. I'll have to think about that with you for just a moment because you're exactly right. We don't mean ill, of course, when we say good luck or good luck with that. We're wishing them well absolutely we are. But I think now that I think about it with you, we can do better to be more biblical in the sense of praying for God's blessing in their lives, rather than offering some kind of generic wish that probably has no status in reality. The fact that I wish you well doesn't actually do you any good today, right? But if I pray for God's blessing for you, and if I even say to you, well, I will pray for you in that, or I will pray for God's goodness for you, God's blessing for you, now I'm doing something God can honor, God can bless, To me, that's a much better way on a proactive level to do something in your life than simply offer generic words that may not affect reality on any real sense.
0: It has the opportunity to actually impact somebody else's life too, Like, especially if they don't know God, right? I just think of that. If I say to a non-Christian friend, good luck, well, whatever, right? But if I stop and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, can I pray with you right now? And if you're not comfortable with that, I will be praying you have a chance to
2: plant some seeds in their mind. Oh, you absolutely do. And when you do that, you can do it in a way that can make a difference that the Lord can use in ways we can't ever imagine. Quick example of that, a founder of a global internet or, excuse me, evangelistic ministry uh, is here in Dallas. He's been a hero of mine, mentor of mine for many, many years. I never go to lunch with him that he doesn't ask the server, may I pray for you? If the server says yes, he'll say, well, how can I pray for you? I would have simply wished them well, would have said good luck, would have tried to be nice to the server. But my friend is taking this opportunity to be proactive, not only in praying, which obviously has merit to itself, clearly, but in planting seeds. It's been said, a great person plant trees will never sit under. When you're planting seeds of the gospel, simply by saying what you just suggested, you never know how the Lord's going to come along and use that, how other people are going to be used. So now we're being proactive in an intentional way that advances the kingdom with much good that glorifies God.
1: Changing our mindset and changing our wording. It's something so simple, yet so challenging when you just think of it.
2: It is for me too, Colleen. I don't want to (laughs) offend anybody. I don't want to look offensive, quite frankly. I don't want people to think less of me. And so there's a bit of a risk in this. There's a willingness to say, okay, I'm willing to risk what you think of me in order to plant a seed of God's word for the sake of your eternal soul. I'm going to care enough about you to do this. I'm going to do it, obviously, in a way that I hope isn't offensive, in a way that does care. I have to build relational bridges to be able to do this, clearly. If I walk up to strangers on the street and say, may I pray for you, they might look at that in rather an odd way. It's like Jesus with the woman at the well. She starts with water, so he starts with water and Mm -hmm. leads her from water to living water. We earn the right to speak spiritual truth into people's lives. But nonetheless, that's our goal. That's our purpose. And that's how we can move from luck to legacy, I guess you could say. And from uh, just speaking generic words to speaking God words. If we'll ask the Lord to lead us, he will lead us to do that. Uh,
0: That has me thinking too, like, yeah, when we attribute things to luck, uh, even just passively not meaning anything by it, we're like taking away from what God's done in our lives. Like, Maybe somebody said, Mike, how did you become a radio personality? Well, it was just luck, like I should not have this job at all, right? Or maybe God had a plan to use me, right? And same for each of you in your lives and, and things that have happened with just what would some would call dumb luck. But God's got a plan in it.
2: It's a great way to see that we oftentimes miss glorifying God by yeah. calling his blessings luck. And we're yeah. doing that in a sense of humility genuinely. I mean if someone yes. asks you how you got where you are you're wanting obviously and appropriately to be humble about that. You don't want to be saying, well, let me tell you all of my gifts and abilities. <laughs> that's right. Especially God, me <laughs> study and work and all of that, you know. Let me take credit for this. And so, you know, we don't want to do that, but the other option that's available to us isn't just to say, well, it's luck, but to say, well, God's been very good. God has been so gracious. God has used me beyond anything I could ever earn or deserve and try to steer it to him. It's John the Baptist saying, I must decrease, he must increase. There's another piece of this I would be uh, 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 wrong not to add very quickly, of course. God is sovereign, but I believe in the paper says we're still free. God gives us free will so we can choose to worship him, so we can love our Lord and love our neighbor. So I'm not suggesting we're robots. I'm not suggesting that all that happens, happens apart from human agency. The balance is that God is so sovereign, he can give us freedom and honor our freedom even when we misuse our freedom. So that's not God's fault if I misuse my freedom. I'm not blaming God for the Holocaust. I'm not blaming God for uh, the pandemic or for 9-11, not suggesting that. We do have freedom in a fallen world, but I am saying God redeems all that he allows, and if we'll join him in that, he'll use even the worst places of life and redeem them to draw us closer to him and to be glorified in the midst of that. So let's partner with God by seeking to glorify him and redeem even the difficult places for his glory.
1: This St. Patrick's Day, we can do exactly that, head into it with a whole new outlook on everything.
2: We can redeem it as a way that turns a holiday into a holy day. You know, I really believe that's how the Lord would have us look at the various so-called secular holidays of of our tradition. That's really a biblical impulse. You find Paul in Acts 17 using Greek philosophers to reach Greek philosophers. You find Jesus, again, starting with water and leading to living water. Jesus meeting felt need to meet spiritual need. So whether it's Thanksgiving Day, that's kind of football day now in our culture, or Fourth of July, or St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, whatever it is, let's find what the culture is looking at and start there and build a bridge from where they are to where perhaps the Lord would use us to lead them to be. Quick example, I was in Bangladesh some years ago and got to speak with a group of imams there. Well, we started by serving them dinner. We as Americans serving these in uh, this village in Bangladesh so as to earn the right to be heard. In the course of the conversation, because we had started at a place of relationship, we were, by the power of the Spirit, eventually able to, to share the uniqueness of the gospel. They ask us, why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why do you care for us? And that gave us a chance to explain the goodness of God's grace. But it started on a relational level. Let's start where people are and ask the Lord to use us to lead them where they need to be.
0: Um, makes me think of Paul in First Corinthians. He writes, everywhere I go, I try and find common ground, doing everything that I can to to save some, and it opens that door to spread the
2: gospel for him. Exactly, Mike. That's Paul saying, I, to the strong I became strong, the weak I became weak, to the Jew, a Jew, to the Gentile. I became all things to all people, that I might by all means see some come to faith in Christ. That needs to be our motto as well. Paul wasn't inspired to write that just for information's sake. <laughs> he already knew that. I would imagine the Corinthians knew it. He wrote it for our sake. So the Lord could inspire us to redeem every day, and especially the days that the culture is focused on, like a St. Patrick's Day.
0: So are you wearing green this St.
2: Patrick's Day? If I don't, my wife will pinch me. (laughs) I'm just Tell her that's not biblical. (laughs) I will tell her that. I'll tell her it's even bad luck. I'll tell her that. I'll report back to you on how that goes.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, For people who want to learn more about you, about your ministry, tell us how we can go about doing that.
2: Website's a great place to start, denisonforum.org, D-E-N-I-S-O-N forum.org. People can see the daily article there. They can subscribe if they wish. It's all free. We're a donor-based ministry, so all our digital resources are free, and that's where they can see the books, the e-books, access to the media that we're doing as well, and the larger opportunities also. So denisonforum.org is be be a place to begin.
1: And they can also find the article that we were discussing today, with Saint Patrick. What does the Bible say about luck and divine providence?
2: They can. It'll be there on the homepage of the website.
1: Thank you again so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. Hey, a privilege to be both with you, to be with both of you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.